You are down with Yo Dave. What up? Drop the beat. We like it old school. You know how we do this. What you listening to? The brothers from the 818. 818. People, you are back with the brothers from the 818. My name is Dave, as you know, kicking it as always with my man Caleb. Caleb, you out there? What's going on with you? I'm here, man. I am here with you again. Um, doing this podcast, pushing uh towards uh 10 years. We're gonna we're gonna push it 10 years or more. I don't know. We're gonna keep pushing it until we decide not to push it anymore. It's good, man. I'm gonna go ahead and check in. That's all right with you. Do that, do that. Um, it's been a rough week, tired. It's a rough day, but um, rewarding because I'm persevering, man. I, I'm, you know, when it gets rough, and I've come on on out of it, I feel like I'm better for it. Right. Uh, I love a little adversity, uh, um, so I'm celebrating that. I got a funny story. Um, my morning was kind of was kind of challenging, and so I said, you know what, I'm gonna have me some comfort food. And I went to Tommy's Burgers. I don't know the last time you went to Tommy Burger with all the chili on it and everything. But um, Tommy's is not a very healthy meal. And Tommy's will often have me running to the restroom uh, or clog up my, my system. Right. And so when I brought the food home, this is this 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 is what made me chuckle. It made me thought thinking maybe I'd share it tonight. I started to pray. Right. Like most people pray over food. Right. And my, my prayer, my prayer over food is real simple. You know, dear God, thank you for this meal. Let it be nourishing and nutritious. I was like, I don't even want to ask God for that because <laughs> it's none of that. Right. It's not nourishing or nutritious. Right. It is Tommy's burger. It is comfort food. So anyways, man, that's my check in. What's going on with you? Man, I don't even know now. I'm laughing about you and Tommy's, man. Um, you hit the nail on the head. I, the last time I had, the time before last I had Tommy's, I was in the bathroom all night. And right. the next time I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to do it again. And that was just dumb. I mean, I knew what was going to happen. And so my, 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 I won't say it's not metabolism. My makeup won't allow me to enjoy Tommy's. But it was nothing about that pickle flavor um, in, the, uh, in the chili. Um, but you know, when I think about Tommy's, I love chili, man. I just do. But I ask myself, would you ever eat a spoonful of Tommy's chili without the burger? And the answer is probably nah, you wouldn't. So I'm, so I'm cool with not, with not putting it on the burger either. So great story, man. I'm glad we can laugh. We can start with a chuckle. Um, like you, man, it's, it's a busy time and, and it's a busy week. It's a busy day. You know, some mornings I get up like, okay, what day is it? All right, I got this. Let's keep going and so forth. And and but life is good, man. I'm not in any position I didn't put myself in voluntarily and wouldn't do again uh, voluntarily. So sometimes, as you said, um, 
We're not measured by how we deal with the good times. We're measured by how we face adversity and climb over the bad, right? That's that's where your grit is made. I know grit today is a bad word, but I'm from 91331 and grit was a way of life and that's just the way it is and, and I got no problem with it. So that's the, that's how that goes. So that's my check-in. Um, you ready to get into this, man? We got a, we got a little interesting uh, uh, show tonight based upon some of the comments that you and I have received um, uh, as part of this six-part series. So um, you ready to get into this? You got anything you got, else? You, you, got a, you got a special guest for us tonight? Yeah, man, we got a special guest tonight. So before I bring him on, um, let me just say that, you know, from more than six, seven folks that have hit me up, and you know, I keep saying it, I really wish they would just put it in the comments. It's so much easier to put it in the comments than to dial my number and 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 hit me up or yours. But they were like, who is this brother, Damani? And where'd you get him from, <laughs> right? And, you know, I, I I got so much love for Damani for, you know, similar reasons with you. Um, uh, but like with you, we've talked about when I meet people that are part of your military family and part of your your work family and your education family, you know, I'm mar- I marvel at the esteem they praise you with because I grew up with you. And I see these things, but you know, you just Caleb, right? And 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 not to downplay you, but I just see you right. and I see your greatness. But I it's it's beautiful to see their look of you through their eyes. And and Damani is much the same. He's just a bra came across, you know, along the way, uh, introduced him to you. We came across along the way, and and he's just been a very pivotal force in our lives uh, throughout the years. And but I hear what people say about him. I'm just like. That's just the body. I mean, you want to hear some other stories, you know? And so, um, so tonight, tonight, uh, we brought Damani back just to talk about him. So, uh, without further ado, brother Damani, you out there? Can you hear me, man? I hear you loud and clear, Dave. One love, man. One love. love, What's going on, Damani? (laughs) Man, I I, I am honored. To be alive in this time, <laughs> I, I am definitely feel the love from my, my brethren. I've known my whole adult life. <laughs> Much love for you guys and your success, man. And you know, without any doubt, I got your back. No doubt. Man, just yeah, don't we know stop till the casty drop. You heard me? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, Dave and I, we've talked about our 100th episode and who's going to be on it. And we already, we have... We have some people kind of earmarked for that hundredth episode. Uh, we're right. we're quickly approaching that, but uh, you are you are already on that list because of of what you did in the past couple of weeks. But um, just now, be just just uh, because of the love that that everyone else that people want to see you, people want to people want to hear from you. So let's hear from you, brother. All right. Well, and again, you you touched on Malcolm X's. Uh, birthday. I, I I'm a a revolutionary myself. <laughs> so for 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 me, the lessons I learned from Malcolm X, outside of doing for yourself, is the integrity mm-hmm. of standing for something, even in the face of death. We we have access to the internet and YouTube. There's YouTube videos of the actual 
an FBI phone tap where they was baiting him to snitch on another another person that he disagreed with in the movement, but he was like, oh, you know, I can't answer that. I'm, I'm cool. And the world at the time had no knowledge of that. Now we know, we like, oh, we heard the beat. And it was like, dude, do leaders have that integrity today? No. Oh, they'd be on the phone, oh yeah, it'd be some rap beat. We'd be shooting at each other because they playing these sides. But he had integrity. That was something that was passed on to me. In terms of education, I didn't pursue to get a PhD per se, but I studied hard in many a different facets of, of, of knowledge, if you will. And Michael Max, without formal education, went to prison, found Allah, got into the teachings of Elijah Muhammad and became still to date the most, pro most prophetic speaker we've had in our time. Mm. And no, and nobody can still can debate him. Nobody from Harvard, Yale, Princeton, anywhere else. <laughs> Even if the, Michael Eric Dyson is still trying to make up words to get on Malcolm's level, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so it's a mind frame that we come from a, a strong culture of people, and we can pursue that. We have to understand that we are are pushing to be the best of black people, not the worst. Mm. And I mentioned that on, on the podcast. Uh, again, to your audience, much love. I am just, I'm trying to do my part to pay it forward. Yes. I went through some bumps in the road. I, I had people in my life that said, Money, if you keep going this way, this is going to happen to you. And I was at a point in my life where I didn't care. You know, so be it. I, I, I've had people in my life that say, yeah, you need to come this way and do this bad stuff. And I was like, oh. I watched them get 25 with an L. <laughs> I watched them, you know, still in penitentiary. I, tax we know from the hood just got out <laughs> 2017. I was like, man, dude, you've been in jail since 87. <laughs> like a couple more years, we wouldn't even have had a deal. We, we wouldn't even have a cash in the society when you got out of prison, <laughs> you know? So I, I've been blessed to, to miss certain things. I've been, I've been blessed to, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, begrudge my upbringing. Cause I tell people I was born in the right time in the right place to the right people and went through all the right experiences and be the man I am today. Make no bones about that. And in that, I am firmly planted in the man that I am. And I and, and if I don't have to say anything. I'm not no tough guy. I'm no big guy. But many people have vouched that I ain't never scared. It's on. And from the way that you wear your hat from across the room, they know they, they're dealing with the real one. <laughs> they know they're dealing with a real one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let me tell you from the 415510, guaranteed to pull your without a tug of woe. So let me let me take you back a little bit. And, you know, really, because, you know, Damani, we could let you just run and, and, you know, from the euphemisms to the patterns of speech to the knowledge to just really let people dig in. 
But, you know, I wanted to see, you know, different facets of you. So, and, and Caleb and I will incorporate this. So when I left uh, the 818 to head up to what was then the 415, uh, going to college, you know, I had, I felt like I was leaving family, right? But that wasn't like my mom and family that I was related to by blood. That was Caleb. Right. I mean, we had been running them streets tight. And so, you know, and I left for college the day after graduation. Right. The day after high school graduation, I left. And so um, that was it. Me and Caleb said our goodbyes or whatever. And, and that was hurtful for me because I was leaving family. I got to Berkeley and was like, man, what am I going to do? Who am I going to meet? And I met, you know, 7L, 7 Floor Locos and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not throwing on gang signs. We made a 7. We made an L. And, you know, our bros on the floor, Lance, uh, uh, Omar, uh, you know, all them cats. And so, and they became a family unit. And so, I don't know, maybe like a week later, uh, uh, you came banging on the door, you know, Dave, what you doing today? Like, man, it's Saturday. I got to iron my clothes. Remember that? I used to always iron my clothes. And he's like, no, we got to go make a run. Come on. All right. And so go out to the front of the dorms, uh, had a, what was that, a 72 uh, uh, Chevelle, no, it wasn't even Chevelle. Chevelle, Corvair or something like that, uh, <laughs> Money Green Doolittle is what we called it. Yeah, and we all Chevelle. hopped in, and I, again, I just knew the college campus, and we made a turn, and then the, the, the environment started to change a little bit, and I'm like, where are we going? Oh, man, we going into Oakland, duh, 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 duh. and he introduced me to his people. So we not only had our, I had this new family I was trying to create, but he brought me into his home. I met mm -hmm. his mom, I met his baby sister, right. I met his grandma. All of a sudden, Sunday nights became home cooked meals and things like that. And it reintroduced family. That was my introduction to you. And we were 17, 18 at the time and so forth and so on. And, and Oakland was a bustling place. You know, we was doing the sideshow and I'm still trying to rep the 818. I'm still trying to, man, y'all don't know nothing. We got Crenshaw on Sunday nights. We got this, we got that. Man, Dave, you, cra you crazy. Da, da, da. And you started to show me a whole new life of what that was. So let's talk about that. Now, last time you mentioned that at Oakland Tech High School, Killer High Come to Die, as you, as you always uh, coined it. That's right. Um, you know, you were 16, somebody died in your arms, and you said, you know, at this moment, I need to do something different. And I truly believe, as you said, and Caleb, you and I have talked about this a lot, that I can't apologize for anything for myself in my life. I can apologize to people for people I've done wrong, because I've definitely had to do that. And as I come across people, I will have to continue to do it for past mistakes. But everything I've done has brought me to this point. So that individual dying in your arms brought you into my life. Does that make sense? Right. And thus brought you into Caleb's life with that introduction. So let's talk about that, that where you were going and how that switch opened up the doors for, you know, you applied, got into Berkeley, started your educational well, process there. Let's talk about that. Well, I'll, I'll go to that very moment. Prior to that, representing the hood, my, my, my mom moved us from I was supposed to go to uh, Claremont Middle School. She was like, no, if you're going to be with everybody else, y'all going to be out there fighting, banging, representing this part. No, nope. you went to this other school. Then there's in the Verde, you saw Carter, which was out of the frying pan into the 
into the fire, so to speak, because it had everybody else from all the other North Oakland, West Oakland gangs at the time. When I got to Oakland Tech in the ninth grade, we knew everybody and everybody knew me. So going up there, I had some pivotal moments like, ah, you know, I don't know if I want to be an athlete, but, I, you know, I'm still down. You know, I like, ah, you know, school is cool. But I did my homework. I was smart. You know, my, my mama stayed on me. You 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 ain't gonna be out here just just you just can't read and, and you know that type of stuff. She's like, no, you gonna you gonna stay on that. The incident was in 1986. A friend of mine, Andre Gray, died in my hands in the hallway. A friend, a person I grew up with, known my whole life. He's in my in my Facebook circle right now. So, you know, I, I don't love him. He killed him over some what we say with adolescents today, conflict resolution. And back in our day, you fight your battles, don't never run. You win some, you lose some, and, and respect was from the shoulder. They, these two kept having this fight over and over and over again, and, and to the point it got boring to us, like, oh, man, you know, they, they at it again. But this one day, my one friend, he, he you know, this that day. If I get beat up today, I gotta, I'm going to take it to the next level. And he did. Mm. The friend who died, my last vision of him was me lying to him that he wasn't going to die. Like, man, just keep breathing. Ambulance going to be here, man. You took them bullets like a champ. You good. He's like, no. Nah. He just, just don't die like this. And I'm like, wait a minute. He, if he dying... If that was me, I'd have been, man, tell my mama I love her. Tell my sister, shout out, she grow up. He thought about me in that moment. So that next day I had to sit down. What is my life about? Am I really taking my little life at 16 years old, 15 years old, seriously? Am I taking my high school education seriously? Again, this wasn't Columbine, wasn't on TV. This was another day at Oakland Public School. The office was open. They had a little counseling session if you needed it. The other office door was open so you could withdraw your child. Because some kill. oh, I'm taking my child out of tech today. <laughs> some people are like, I, I ain't sending my kid to these other schools. You're just going to have to deal with it. Those were state. That's what we did. In that, it was a, my science teacher named Helen Keys. She pulled me in a little, she had a, a science lab that had these two doors in between it. So like, like you could close the two doors off before you actually went into the closing. She put me in that door and closed the door. And she asked me, she said, Damani, you are one of my brightest students. You're smart. You are a natural leader. People follow you, but you get out in this hallway, you, 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 you doing this stuff and everybody want to be behind you and fighting this stuff. Son, I just got to ask you, do you want to live or die? And I, no one had never asked me that question at that point. I looked at her. And I said, Miss Key, I, I want to live. And her response was, if that's what it is you want to do, then you need to start finding out things that people who also want to live do. And I said, yeah. You know what? I'm stop hanging on these street corners. I'm stop rolling with these cats that want to fight. I'm going to go to the library. And because I already had street cred, as the young people say, I already had street cred, 
Man, where you going, D? I'm going to the library. Well, nobody gonna test me. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I, I tried out football. I don't you know. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get on the wrestling team because wrestling was the closest thing for me fighting and not getting in trouble. I got my little letters. So I said, okay, let me wear this, represent this sweatsuit or something. They're like, man, D, you a jock, man? Yeah, what, what's it to you? Uh, oh, nothing, D. Okay. And I stayed on that path. I took high school seriously for two years. And I got into UC Berkeley. And at my graduation, they announced it. They were like, oh, man, they, that boy ain't going to Berkeley. They just <laughs> said that so, the, so his family felt good on, on the program. <laughs> but then when I came back, because remember, Summer Bridge for, for us was nine days after we graduated. I, they like, man, these came back all these cows, man. He got back here on the radio. I call and chat from the hood to come to my door. I'm like, hey, hey, y'all can't be carrying guns and stuff. And <laughs> you're gonna give me kicked out too, which almost happened anyway, thanks to Caleb. <laughs> hey, man, hey, hey, that was that wasn't my intent. But um, you know, sometimes sometimes in life you are put in situations that you can't walk away from. Um, you know, you in, in your story, you was you were sharing your like a pivotal moment. Right. And we all have those pivotal moments um, that will that will send us in a different direction. You know, I'm I'm sometimes still kind of look back at people that are still on the block, still in the neighborhood. And I'm like, man, didn't you did you not see your pivotal moment? Like that was that was that was the sign for you to change your direction. You know, I got a question for you. Go ahead. You mentioned um, you mentioned you mentioned your homeboy taking those bullets like a champ. Um, I see David is uh, I don't know I don't know if you how how well you can see it. I see David's rocking the Boys in the Hood shirt. Yeah, um, yeah, man. <laughs> um, you know, we all we have we have uh, Boys in the Hood. Um, you know, the name that comes to mind is uh, Danny Romos, who. Um, who was one of those boys in the hood. Um, Beto now is one of those boys in the hood that I grew up with. Tell me about the boys in your hood. Well, boys in the hood in my hood, again, growing up in the 80s, similar but different than the Southern California get down. I'm from the Bushrod area in North Falkland specifically. Again, the Black Panthers Party for, was founded in my neighborhood. Merritt College, where the Black Panther Party started out, young college students going to the community college that was in the hood, was in North Oakland. Mm. My mother graduating from Galileo High School in South Susan. Again, my mother's native San Franciscan, grew up in on that side. And when, when her brother, my uncle Tim behind her came out in 66, they started having allowing blacks to have jobs in the refineries and, and the camps on the Oakland side. And when they bought, once they started, black people started making middle class wages, they start coming out of the San Francisco or going on to the Oakland so their kids can have backyards and, and whatnot. Um, knowing the history of that neighborhood, growing up as a kid, there's always normal development. There's always an aggressive kid. There's always a wimpy kid. There's always a kid that's good at sports. There's always a nerd kid that's really smart, but, you know, timid around people. And you learn to respect other people. 
But then when you start getting this this gang backdrop, it wasn't colors or anything like that. It was you from this neighborhood, we obligated to take care of you. So when I just walked by, hey, that's, that's Caleb, little brother. I see some bully messing with you. We just roll up in, man, what's up? You got a problem with Caleb? Oh, 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 oh. He he with y'all? Yeah, what's up? <laughs> and then we'll leave you alone. Then, you know, we, okay, Kelly, you cool, right, man. You need anything, right. we'll see you tomorrow. And eventually, as you got older, you you felt obligated because it started being young kids behind you. So then you start repping it for real. And then again, we know in the 80s and the crack, he brought money and all this other stuff, and it escalated into a whole other thing. Um, that concept the the friends I had, Edwin Hills, is in my best friend in 1975. We started kindergarten day one. And that's my that's my A1 from day one. And it don't stop to the casket drop. And I tell anybody, if we don't die, <laughs> we don't die, we go to hell and regroup. You know what I'm talking about? We you, you mess with him, I'm coming still. <laughs> it's gonna be a problem. <laughs> so that mold and us leading into college and like, okay, we got to grow up and I want you to live because if you get caught up in something, I'm going to drop all of this and I'm coming back to a bend for you. So in order to keep me straight, you got to be straight. <laughs> and of course, they would know, they followed like, oh yeah, we hung out in dorms, went to Clark Kerr, went to frat parties and I got into my first incident over my tattoo. A tattoo I wear on my arm. Omega Sci-Fi, Epsilon Mu chapter. Ran up on me at a phone booth back then. We didn't have cell phones. They ran up on me. I'm out there with a tank top on. My wife here thinking I'm a man. I'm like, okay, the cute dogs out there stomping the yard. The cap out there. Like, okay, yeah, that's cool. All of a sudden, they started looking at me crazy. And again, mm -hmm. I know banging. <laughs> I want you to say banging. Hmm. No, school dudes. <laughs> Anything like that. Next, you know, a couple of them kept coming. They started looking, and next, you know, they was like, "Oh yeah, what, what's up? Oh, you you think you one of us? You know what they now?" Then they questioned my thing. I said, "Oh, you think as you a Q dog, you got the trademark on all dogs? Mm. I'm, I'm gonna bring my dogs up here. We gonna see what we gonna see what your chapter talk about." Went to the phone booth right there in Sproul Plaza because we didn't have cell phones back then. Right. <laughs> you know, hit a few beeper numbers and yeah, they came and boys came back and, and also they was like, oh, 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 he one of them real ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what is you don't know nothing about me. We ain't banging. <laughs> oh, we, I'm a little confused. <laughs> and many of events that went like that. Later on in life, I pledge a fraternity. It's branded on my arm as well. I'm a distinguished gentleman of Kappa Alpha Psi, New Sigma, the No Sympathy chapter with no haters, no skaters, and no perpetrators. Don't start now, won't be none. You heard? <laughs> I love it. But I, I, my eyes was open. I started going traveling. I went to Bayou Classic. I went to Howard Homecomings and, and Morehouse Homecomings and Spring breaks and they come to Florida and black people jumped out and said, man, what's up, Luke? What's up, friend? And they had love for me. They didn't know me from Adam. Right. They wasn't throwing it up. Yeah, man, what's up, man? Well, who you with? Who you with? It wasn't like that. 
This is real. Then I start seeing a different picture right. and what I'm supposed to be doing. And then I you know, the stuff my mother put in my ear start coming back to me. Like, yeah. You know, Go some ahead. of my um my, some of my greatest lessons didn't come from it came from more uh, observations and how I and how I was treated and how I felt around other people. And I didn't really gain that. The military really gave me that. I was able to travel and I was like, man, people are living like this. People think like this. This is how they get down over here. Right. right. Um, and just observing how things were outside of my block. I realized that I realized how blessed I was because there were people on my block that never traveled. I have friends right now today that don't travel outside that have damn near 50 years old. that have never traveled outside of California, Nevada, Arizona. Right. And that's all that they know. And, and, and so their, their vision and their scope is, is limited to, to what they're familiar with. Um, So, yeah, man, I, 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 when you say that you was at Morehouse and Howard and you were you were seeing love all over the over the uh, country, it kind of reminded me of like that DJ Quick song when he was saying that, you know, yeah. um, they were banging in St. Louis. Right. Right. Everybody want to be like Compton. Right. <laughs> yeah. So at some point you left your family, man. You and Weezy got up on out of there. Right. <laughs> um, your wife's name, not Wheezy, but you and Wheezy got all out of there for those of you who understand the Jeffersons. And now, you know, you a humble cat in the Midwest shoveling snow. And, 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 and you know, and again, you have a son, you, you have a son from a, a previous relationship. Now you have a daughter and, and so forth. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah. Well, I was one of those brothers, you know, it was, it was a golden era. If you got your degree between 87 and 94, he was a black man with a college degree. It didn't have to, it didn't matter what it was, you could get on anywhere. And that was the golden era. And that window closed up quick after that point. Because again, black men start getting edu- more degrees in education and start moving up the ranks. Following the trends of people I knew, oh yeah, I work a job for a year or two, then I I, I parlay uh, those skills into this next job, and they were you know resume helping and jumping into different things and moving up. And you catch up to them five six years, oh man, they they doing pretty good. I needed to do that. For me, I did I didn't finish my degree at Berkeley, and, and Dave know I, I I I was a young man and knocked up a freshman had had a baby. And my my dog, David Smith, was in the delivery room when my son came to the world the day I became a man. Real talk. That's good. That's good. And, and I can't thank Dave enough because I didn't know what was I didn't know what to do. I was like, whoa, I my mama even was like, you on your own. <laughs> you 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 grown enough to live and have babies. You you know what time it is. She told me the same thing I tell young people today. Minute that baby come out and is living and breathing, it's no longer about you. And I went through transformation. I went through the the the, the failed relationship. You know, tried to work it out. 
never got married to my son's mother. That turned into a child support situation. And then, you know, the magic wand got weighed and the system did its thing. So being in that climate where I, I zigged instead of zagged, trying to jump to these other jobs, I never had enough income because again, child support was taking half of it to support the higher cost of living in California and least be comparable or at least in the direction where my friends is going that, 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 you know, did it the right way, so to speak. And I, I didn't get down on myself, but I found someone that believed in me and I, I, you know, I got myself together. I went back to college, went to Cal State Hayward. That's where I pledged that and did all that stuff. And I moved to Sacramento. And I was working for the company Comcast at the time. And it was one of those things, okay, my two years up, I learned this skill, learned nothing to go jump on this other thing. I didn't know that the housing market would go up. That's when we started having the crisis in 2008, 2007. Mm-hmm. Relationship. Didn't work and never done. Hey, black man ain't got no money. I mean, dude, you ain't gonna be laying up in my house. You gotta go. You know, got caught up in that kind of situation, and I ended up sleeping on my mama's couch, looking up at the ceiling, like, man, all the things I did, all the people I know, I couldn't get a job pushing a boom, and I know I got this weight over my head. So I don't County waiting on me. They they suspend my driver's license every six months. They was waiting on me. Oh, you in the rears? I oh, go, you know. My mama said, just go in there and tell them what, what your situation is. I'm like, no, nah, mama, I ain't doing that. I can talk to her directly. Why would? Oh, I got to talk to them. I went down Slano County. They said, Mr. Williams, you want to come on the other side of this yellow line? I was like, no, I can hear you from there. You can tell me what's going on. I, did, I went on the other side of that yellow line and ended up in a jumpsuit and flip-flops. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, on some stuff, on some child support beat. Again, another pivotal moment. I'm sitting on my mama's couch looking at the ceiling like, dude, I can't believe all of this didn't went that far. My girl said, Damani, I think we need a new, we need to do something else. Because you can't come back here, but I think there's a place we can bounce back together. But I believe in you. I dated a couple of cats, and no, it's you. And I said, really? So I said, okay, what are you talking about? She said, Wisconsin. My mother's computer had an AOL sign on. I went on AOL and then it had the time. It was a news little flag, little runner on the, on the site that said places that were least affected by the, by the recession at the time. The Fox Valleys is the area in Wisconsin was least affected by the recovery. And it was the only place in the whole U.S. that was in the recovery phase. I said, well, let me try. Again, I'm from Oakland, California. I'm from the hardest where it all started. I ain't scared of nobody. I ain't scared of nothing. I could do it. Because right now, I ain't doing nothing. So I went for it. My sister happened to come over the house visiting from Atlanta. She gave me $1,000. D, get you a get you a spy, get you a rental car, go on your interviews. Go with who put the money on the table. The company put the money on the table. I took you. I came back, grabbed the stuff on my back. I said, Mama, I'm... I'm going to start life from scratch, going to Wisconsin. And I've been here ever since. And it took me about four years or so to get out of my child support. I paid all my arrears, my son turned 18. They was like, oh, Miss Williams, you good? They sent me a $200 check. I almost cried. But I lived in a a lower cost of living where I could live off of what was left over. And I hustled. Because, again, when you came from the big city and you come out here, it's like watching paint dry. 
So I, I was hustling. I had a job here. I was working with the gas company and a cable company at the same time. They was like, man, this brother do everything. I said, no, I, I can. I got free time. I can make some more money. I got married. All the relationships. I was in Dave's wedding. I was in everyone's wedding. Everybody's wedding. And in my mind, because I wanted to do that same thing, all my homies. But I got to a point in my life that says it's more important to the commitment to this woman than the pageantry for everybody else. Right. And right. am I being real with myself? This who I really want to be with, because I could have had them all. Right. And I said, no, nah, she won. I don't care. If we got married in a park of just her, me, her, and a preacher. My commitment to you is more important. Got married here. Year and a half later, I had my daughter. I, I didn't think I was have any more kids. I was like, man, that 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 time came and went. <laughs> and I was like, I'm pregnant. Oh man, that's what I'm talking about. I had my little girl, changed my life. And I've been out here ever since. Moving up the ladder, I became a uh, investor. I do a little real estate investing on the side. I do a little wholesaling. I'm still learning to trade. I, 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 all my cars paid for. We bought a house. My wife was an at-home mom for four and a half years, all on me. I was a man for real. I was like, oh, man, okay, yeah. You know, <laughs> we was living, we was moving. I was like, man, I, really? Then I had to refocus because, again, I got elderly parents. So I got to go back to California. I was seeing all stuff going on in California, and there was a difference there as opposed to here as we talked on the show politically. I live in a Second Amendment state. And I think, you know, David's okay if I say this on camera. <laughs> I've owned all my firearms legally in California. When I was old enough to buy them, I bought all of them legally. But I've carried them illegally my whole life. <laughs> right, right. I'll just say that. But here, I can carry it legally. I can conceal it because it's a concealed or open carry state. But again, you got to have a concealed weapons license to do it. But it's a whole different ball game. D, um, I want to uh, I want to just acknowledge the fact that, you know, early on we were talking about pivotal moments that was like negative pivotal moments. But you just you just rolled out some positive pivotal moments. You know, as you were talking, I was I was jotting down another negative pivotal moment that I wanted to share when I was dead broke and had no money in my account. But there's there's been some positive pivotal moments as well. Um but everyone don't get a chance to see that. And so there's still some cats on the block, still there, um, that would say, I missed my opportunity, I'm too old, I'm kind of stuck here. What would you say to, what would you say to that, to that group of individuals? Well, I would say, well, at first it depends on are they are they parents or not? Let, let, let's consider that the let's consider them our age, right? Let's consider right. them our age? age, and they probably are. They probably got some seeds out there somewhere. Okay. Well, if they're our age, what I would tell them in this time and age, if you have any deficiencies about yourself, you can't read good, you can't write, you, you can't count. We in the era of Google and YouTube, you can learn almost anything. Hmm. I've been teaching myself AWS all on YouTube because I'm not going back to school to spend all this money to take out student loans again. I just it took me 15 years to get out of that. 
<laughs> but I might need that skill to survive, depending on, and again, COVID-19 came around, everybody at home. I got all kind of little hustles going on. Oh, YouTube. So you have to decide if you want to do better. Hmm. Anybody from our our era, do we went up against some real adversities? People getting shot, people came, people came to shoot at me by name. Right. <laughs> when no stranger jumped out of the book, they was looking for the money. So with with that. You shouldn't be afraid of nothing going on today. Ain't nobody stopping you from educating yourself. You you don't have to go to some formal university. Now it's college universities that's online. Right, and I'll I'll even admit my some of my biases. You know when when I when I think of that group, um, oh. I I have some biases. I'll just say, man, they stuck because. They smoking weed all the time or they're stuck because, you know, they, they don't see they haven't traveled. They, they don't have they haven't seen any other any other yeah. options. But they have they have they have people like you. They have people like Dave. Yeah. I'll include myself in that in that group. They yeah. they have some 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 people to um, that have made it out and that they could reference and they could say, Maybe I can do different. Maybe I can do better. And so I recognize my own biases when I when I when I see people stuck. But I like you said, if you want to do better, there are opportunities for you to do better. And in today's age, it might just be everyone has a cell phone. Everyone has, almost everybody has a smartphone now. If you're still working with a flip, then we really call me. Give me a call. Uh, right. I got myself in trouble before, Dave. When I when I when I put when, yeah. I, when I made some promises, <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you I'm going to get you a, a smartphone. But if you're still working with a flip, right. give me a call, right. man. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to uh, set you straight. Um, and then we're going to show you the uh, Google, and then YouTube, and then you can start yeah. bettering yourself from day one. Yeah, I parallel like we talked about Malcolm X. You have to have a principle about yourself. Right. And this is an old person, middle-aged person, or a young person. You may not know what you want to do in life, but you got to have a principle about yourself to say, I'm not going to do that. I made right. that choice a long time. I'm not going to do drugs. I spend too much time and money trying to educate myself. I'm not going to destroy my brain in my free time. <laughs> you said you know? Malcolm X. You said Malcolm X, most prolific um, 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 speak, speech, right now, orator, um, of all times, of right? all times, right? Criminal, but he criminal. had his criminal, like his, like, what's your, what's your, what's your excuse over there across right. the street from me, right? What's your excuse, right. um, of all times? If Malcolm right. did it, if other people are doing it. Johnson across the street, you could do it as well. I take I take it a step further. Malcolm did it after being incarcerated, locked behind bars. You don't have to go to that extreme to get that same knowledge to to work on yourself every day to have discipline to find something it is you want to do, and having a principle in yourself saying that I'm I'm not gonna give up on myself. I mean something to the struggle. That's the part my 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 mother's 
voice will be with me the rest of my life. That I didn't come here by by saying you mean something to the struggle. And I haven't earned the right to throw my life away. I told my children that. You haven't earned the right to throw your life away. That's the drugs, gang violence, suicide, homosexuality. Not that I'm against gay people, but in a black perspective, you not reproducing other Africans, we lose it. They convince you not to reproduce, we lose it. Because we come in this world not only with the hopes of what our life is going to be, you already bringing the future with you. The people that's going you going to give birth to. In our household, we celebrate Kwanzaa. And there's a Kwanzaa principle with the, the ear of corn. Every child is supposed to have an ear of corn at the table during Kwanzaa. At the end of the celebration, you peel the husk off the corn, and the, the kernels on the corn symbolizes the future Black people that are to come through those children. And when you examine that in reverse, you like. And my family, my mother did the genealogy on our family. If any one person in my family line had made a different decision, I wouldn't be here. Y'all wouldn't know me. Mm. So I take that responsibility seriously. And, and I was young, wild, and crazy. I, I didn't at one point. But when I locked into that principle, yeah, now my steps. They mean something. They're, they're calculated. And I know because of the world we live in, I may have to give up my life. I know from the history, my, my uncle was in BGF and he was in Clinton, Soledad, he was in all in places. But he would tell you, he said, I lived in a time where that meant something. Your generation is where the rift came. And you study the history of Christian bloods as the as the gangs came into the, the prison population, the Black Panther generation that started the BGF and the old guards, they turned their back on our generation. Because they was in there going to prison for the movement. They was knocking off the enemy. And then they got these brothers coming here, swole. You know, Tookie Williams, all these big cats coming in like, oh, yeah, them, oh, man, them young bulls is getting it in. They come with you in, for. Oh, man, I shot that fool, Caleb. People from such and such block. What? You shot another black guy? Come here, for, David. You you robbed another black guy? Hey, you didn't knock off no white boys? Hmm. Oh, three brothers. They turned their backs on us. And our generation, we returned the favor. We turned their back because we resented our fathers. Most of them left us. My father came on Vietnam, strung out on heroin. He was a good dude for a little bit. And then he's had one of his relapses. Mom's like, I ain't putting up with that. Do, do your thing. So when we grew up in the crack era, our generation, those who got in the drug game, those were our first clients. When I had son, my money generation, and they would take anything to get off of that swing that heroin had them on. They was the first crackheads. And then when we went to prison for doing that same thing, them older cats was now they now they didn't went cold turkey. They were swole running the prison yards. What's up, Dave? You gotta come check in. You'd be like, hey, don't a slap because he's gonna come back to me with pennies. Oh, I'm gonna pull the answer to him. Oh, I ain't doing that. Generation broke away from them, like, man, I never respect you on strength, respect you in here. 
That was us. Trying folks out on the street is the same thing. These brothers are putting in work across the board. You can go on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, right? Oh man, they 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 walking cats down on the freeway. Man, I'm like, man, these little gangsters that but they ain't clapped on their white boys. They ain't winning no proud boys. They ain't hitting no Ku Klux Klan. They, nobody. <laughs> they resume deep with how many black kill. We did that. Right. You know, D, this is you know, I, I wish we had had time for a lot of this conversation over the last six, because what you talked about, you know, you, you touched on it a little bit, Caleb, that, you know, we made it out. We we saw opportunities. A lot of the ones that don't is because their vision is locked into this environment that you just described, D, right? But you saw something different. You saw that checkpoint. And whether it was because of your relationship with your mama, you had a woman that believed in you. We all know a good woman can just, you know, a good woman can can save your life. A bad one can can leave you broke with bad credit and, and a bankruptcy, right? So, you know, it's, people can lead you in different directions. But looking at where you are now, right? And, and so we're, we're, we're getting to the end of this. We started off talking about Malcolm X. Caleb, you mentioned he was a criminal. You know, he was a drug dealer. He was a thief. He was a junkie. He was illiterate. He started off by reading a dictionary, yeah. word for word, right? Yeah. Educating himself on the power and ability of words. In his, in his autobiography, he said, a man curses because he doesn't have the words to express himself. Right. And so I listen to your words. I look at where you are. You know, I, I have to believe that part of the reason I got so many phone calls about you, a couple of people asking for your number too. told him, you know, he's married, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Leave him alone. Right. <laughs> I, we, we've done that. My wife was South Central, homie. <laughs> right. But I have to believe that they're, they're looking for something to get some knowledge for themselves or something to share yeah. with someone else. Right. And so I know you. Right. We go back. Caleb knows you. We go back. You know, we're honored to have you on this time. But we just want to give you this moment to say for you to look somebody in the eye. And what's that advice you would give them about where to start? Right. My mama told me the difference between trying and doing is making up your mind to take a step. Right. And so a lot of people like that, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. You don't hear a whole lot of people say, I've done it or I'm going to do. Right. And you've done it now. Yeah. Right. And again, not arrived. None of us have arrived, but we're on a different path to make a better way for a better tomorrow, for a better generation. Right. And so what advice could you give to someone to stop trying and start doing to get a taste of the knowledge that you have? Um, a principle that I learned in, through through my fraternity, uh, the six P's. Prior preparation prevents piss poor performance. Prior preparation prevents piss poor performance. And that's, if you are preparing to be something, there's things that you got to do to get prepared for that. You trying to go to college, you got to, you you know, you got to handle your business in, in school. You got to take this SAT, AT and try to score as high as you can, have these grades and extracurricular activities and be able to write and read and all that. You trying to get a job, you need to have these skills to be prepared prepared to you just showing up on the door fill out an application. If 
if that's your your thing if you're trying to be an actor there's a, a writer's guild an acting guild there's something that you gotta perfect your craft before you get to that point um something i would give young people especially black people you mean something to the struggle whether someone tells you that or not you do and you are here because somebody somewhere loved you at some point. Life has a way of putting you in a position where the pieces fit together. I had this completely broken life over here. And then someone that had a, a halfway broken life, we came together and all of a sudden it was straight. You, you might be the bridge to somebody else. Someone else may be the bridge to you, but you mean something to the struggle. If you take yourself out altogether, it was for nothing. We have, as a people got to believe in that. And again, as a as a principle, if you go back in history and 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 read any any of our, I went through two years of Black history courses that I just dove into. It's like okay, I need to learn about this, and then we start getting a history. Of, it was black people already here in fourteen ninety two. I was like, what, what are they talking about? Black people, I heard that. <laughs> and he's like, what? You start getting into it's like, wait a minute, dude. If we was already here before, then we've seen everything. And that means we got an answer to it. That's when you become dangerous. As long as you don't have a solution, they can manipulate you accordingly. You got a solution, like, oh no, I, we've been here, done that. Let's let's do this. Now you got something. We got to do research on our own our own family. Like I said, my mother did a genealogy on my family. I, we got some horror stories in my in my grandfather, my grandfather on back. There's some horror stories. I'm like, dude, she never had that type of adversity in Oakland. And again, they compared Oakland to Beirut back then. <laughs> oh, I'm like, dude, we don't have no excuses. Once that gets lifted off of you, okay, what do I want to do? I'm pushing to be this. My hardest push was to be a good dad. Because my father didn't raise me. But that didn't give me an excuse not to be a father to my children. Not at all. I had no how-to book. I worked on being a dad. I made some mistakes. I'm not perfect. But every day when I look my daughter in her eye and I talk to my son on the phone, you know what I mean? My, my daddy's a writer. And my daddy loved me. I, I leave her relationship. I can talk to my son. My son can identify my voice over the phone. He can point me out in a picture. I can't do that for my dad. My dad can walk in this room right now. I wouldn't know who do what. But that didn't give me an excuse not to be a father to mine. And I instill that same thing my mother instilled in us. You mean something to the struggle. I love you. And I will be hard on you in some cases. But you mean something to the struggle. You ain't earned the right to throw your life away. You know, you are an example of the struggle and um, how someone could do it differently. Um, as Dave said, you know, I don't know if we've reached, I don't, I don't know if we've reached uh, our goal or our apex yet, but um, we are certainly on our way to doing it different um, than what it could have been. Um, so um, I think all of us have, have taken adversity in our lives and we built on it. We didn't allow it to define us. Thank you. 
for giving me my roses while I'm still here. And hopefully I'm giving you yours, definitely, because, again, you guys are a pivotal moment in my life as well. And again, Kayla, you started the original rap beef, so I'm giving you all that credit. <laughs> oh man, that's before. Uh, I think you're forgetting a couple of hip hop uh, legends, but you know, I'll take no, it. No, no, man, with <laughs> you. But, but, uh, but for real, it, it's it's about principle. You you yes. you have to find that that grounds you. And and. Death comes with that. They say when they come to your funeral, they're going to open up your obituary. It's going to have a born date and it's going to have a deceased date. It's a dash in the middle. That's what's significant. I'm just trying to make my line as, as popping as I can get it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So so when that day comes, you know, them shoes going to be full and everybody going to have them. We pass down here and see the door. they like, that's how the money wanted. <laughs> we take this shit. But it's going to be people from all different walks of life. I got friends that work on Wall Street, and I got friends that's behind the walls that wish they was on the street. You heard? There it is. There <laughs> and it is. I don't love them any day. <laughs> so, uh, Damani, we appreciate you, brother. We thank you for sharing your life and your love with us, man. Um, right. And as you say, to the uh, to the wheels fall off and the casket drop, I just say to the duct tape, don't stick, because I'll keep reusing it over and over and over, over again. And when you pull duct tape, right. duct tape, it leave a residue. So <laughs> anyway, y'all been kicking it with the brothers from the 818. My name is Dave, as you know, kicking on man Caleb, as always. We were blessed with the presence of my main man, Damani, um, sharing just pearls of wisdom from the from the streets of the Bay Area to the uh, to the backwoods of, of, of Wisconsin, wherever he is. Um, uh, we uh, <laughs> we love to have this opportunity with him. Um, we thank you for hanging out with us tonight. You catching us on YouTube. You're probably right there right now or on Facebook. Um, we're streaming on all the channels, Apple Music, Google, uh, Google uh, Podcasts, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Audible. Um, you can catch us on our website, brothersfromthe818.com or wherever you catch your streaming media. Um, Caleb mentioned it earlier, you know, we, we shooting for 10 years and that puts me, you know, in my sixties, uh, I'm gonna shoot for 20, you know, we're just going to do this until we decide that we're not going to do it anymore. Um, and, um, as long as you guys keep coming back, we'll be right here. So we appreciate you. We got mad love for you. Thanks for hanging out with the brothers from the 818. Peace out. Peace. You are. The brothers from the age.